The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. If you've headed into an office lately and had to sign in using an iPad, there's a very good chance you were using technology from a New Zealand company that jumped up onto the radar late last year. Swiped on is the visitor management software company that hit the media with an unusual capital raise. It had quietly gone about bootstrapping its way to one million US dollars of revenue and was out to raise a million to grow with some very impressive metrics. Their offer was quickly oversubscribed. They've attracted a first-class board, count big names like Cat, Mobile and Hugo Boss's clients, are heading to 20 staff with the Balkan Tauranga and growth all over the world. Things are going gangbusters. And in amongst it all, CEO and founder Hadley Ford found out he had a rare cancer and successfully went through operations and recovery. It's come a long way from his start on super yachts, where he saw the hole in the market for an electronic logbook. To chat that journey, the idea, and what's important, Hadley joins us now. G'day, thanks for being here. Great, thanks Simon. Uh, thanks for having me. Hey, so tell us tell us about how you first came to have the idea. What were you doing on super yachts? Yeah, so... Um, it was a number of years ago now, the last uh, super yacht I was on, it was about 90 metres long and the the build price, it was uh, it was being built at the time, was about $150 million in New Zealand terms, which was just ridiculous. Um, so much opulence and yeah, it really was quite an impressive beast. And then we had this really cruddy visitor sign-in book uh, with all of this, all of our guests coming on, all of our visitors would sign in on that. And also at the same time, the, the crew would sign in on a magnetic in-out board to say who was there and who wasn't. So I thought, well, there has to be a better way to do this. And uh, that's when, I guess, was the, the genesis of the, the solution. I thought, well, you know, it could all just be on a nice interface on an iPad. And, yeah, I let that idea niggle away for a while. I didn't. I was still working overseas at the time. That was actually in Germany. And uh, when I got back to New Zealand a few years later, that's when I went through with it. And how many years ago is that? Uh, well, it actually started, uh, gosh, about 2011, 2012, uh, when I was on that yacht. So that's kind of when the idea came about. I never even used an iPad. I think I might have seen a couple of ads and one of my friends would have had one. So oh, that didn't really stop me. I generally knew about it. And I, my, my wife at the time she was pregnant with our first child and being away at sea for months 
at a time didn't really work out well for a family environment um, and I wanted to, to be around and I'd, I'd spent at that time 13 years working away at sea on various different vessels and I thought it was about time to come home and one of the careers which transfers quite well from uh, well from the marine side is actually um, being a marine pilot which is quite a small specialised role that not a lot of people know a lot about. Yeah, what what, what yeah. does a marine pilot do? <laughs> yeah, so the big ships you see coming in and out of the harbour every day in the various ports around New Zealand and well around the world for that matter, uh, it's not the captain driving them, although of course the captain's on board and he's in command. You actually have a pilot who goes out on a small pilot launch and they con the vessels, well they call it conning, um, in and out so you know uh, the local conditions, where the rocks are. Um, how the currents run, and also you're speaking with the tugs directly so there's no um, communication barriers. And, yeah, you do it just day in, day out, thousands of times, and you just get really good at doing it in your specific port. Wow. Yeah. And so, yeah. so you came back from overseas from working on the boats and were working as a harbour pilot, and still mm. this kind of visitor management thing was working away in your head. <laughs> and, and it didn't exist yet, which is quite remarkable, or, or there wasn't an offer that was out there, and so you decided to build your own. That's right, that's right. Uh, so with the, the piloted role, as I said, it's highly specialised. You're working all hours. And as part of that gig, you're actually working a week on and having a week off. And for me, there's only so many roses that can be pruned and so many lawns that can be mowed. And I don't sit idle particularly well. And I, I had this idea from uh, from a year or two prior when I was on the yacht. And I thought, oh, you know, why don't I look this up subsequently? And it was about 2013 when I actually made a go of it. And... Looked it up. There was one visitor book app on the App Store, and that was $100, and you bought it once, right? Um, and I thought, oh, okay, well, that model's a bit funny. Just purely you could just have a subscription-based one. And I didn't even know about SAS at the time. Yeah, I was yeah. just, um, just kind of uh, went through that. And Apple, as it, um, as, it, as it turned out, actually had a subscription-based thing in there. And now people are quite, you know, au fait with subscribing to apps. But at that time, it was pretty... Pretty weird, and yeah, just went about um, solving that problem and, and getting it built. And yeah, after I'd actually signed the contract to, to get you know a development company to actually build it, then I went and bought my first iPad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and used it. To be honest, I didn't even touch one until that point. Well, yeah. and so what? What was it? Um, what did you have to do to go from idea to being able to uh, engage a? A development company, and how did you kind of how did you kind of take that step? Like, did, did you know people in tech? Did you go and make relationships? Yeah, so I was a pilot in the South Island in Timaru, so yeah, the, yeah. the tech community is pretty small there. I think I know all two of them. Yeah. So um, no, I just, like googled it. You know, it's, one company had better SEO than the other, and I, I selected them. And uh, I, I was um, probably a bit naive, but in, in a good way. You, you know, you don't want to overthink these things. I, sometimes I think you just you've got to something you believe in it and just go for it. So I had a couple of meetings with the development company, got a, a spec together, and, and, and we went from there. Yeah. And so how did you get a spec together? Did you go, I know that I want people to be able to sign in. Mm. Um, you know, did you think back to the super yachts? And I imagine on super yachts, and I don't know if you have kind of doctor or lawyer confidentiality uh, yeah. as a super yeah. yacht skipper, yeah. but I imagine you'd seen some pretty famous names signing some pretty um, scrappy books. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then did you think, okay, so we need a way to, to, to store the names, we need That's a way right. to manage the crew coming off and on. Yeah, very much so. And I guess the beauty of the iPad as well being portable is 
if you knew both the crew, the guests and visitors, contractors, whomever's on, you've got it all there in case of an emergency. And that's something all well, throughout the marine industry is, um, is obviously very important. And as yeah, so I had some general ideas about specking it. And, and even back then, apps were very, um, they kind of looked like what you wanted. So I just kind of replicated an outboard and replicated a visitor book. Mm-hmm. Whereas now there are, um, you know, the, the, the tech kind of is, is at the forefront. You're not trying to emulate a book, uh, yeah, so yeah, to speak. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I went back and forth with the designer at that company with, with a few um, wireframes and then through to, um, you know, the pretty designs. Um, but I also lent on them quite a bit. Yeah, I, yeah. We've got a UI UX designer use their skill, and I've never been particularly uh, stubborn when it comes to those things. So yeah, we came up with quite a, a really nice solution. And, and was it just aimed at the yachting or marine industry at this time? Was it really like hyper focused? I wouldn't say hyper focused, but it was that was definitely the area where I knew it would work. And during the the process of, of uh, I guess building the product, speaking with people, they said, "Oh well, this could work in my office." And I thought, "Oh, okay." Um, but there, there was—I mean, look, there's so many mistakes made from A to to Z, and I'm probably at G now, you know. Uh, but one of the the initial things was it was primarily kind of a crew or employee and out based application, which also did visitor management. Hey, it also printed badges. Um, and once it was live, and uh, I put it out on the app store. Um, essentially a lot of the feedback was people are using it for the people that use it for employees fantastic it's brilliant but where the market was and where the downloads were were for people wanting a visitor book replacement mm. um, and and look it makes sense as well even as a if, if I was an employee myself do I really want to log in and out every day uh, not so much but have a beautiful seamless sign-in system for your visitors absolutely yeah and coming from the marine industry where things like logbooks are, they're kind of like legal documents, aren't they? They're, they're incredibly important records to keep for insurance and for um, regulatory bodies. Big time. And then the rest of the world's kind of been on that journey too with health and safety and uh, other kind of legislations around um, visitor management. And so, so now that sign-in process, what used to be a book, uh, it kind of can't be, can it? Because you need to have something that that updates, that keeps the new uh, evacuation policies or the safety manuals or whatever it might be that people can like look at a big page of writing, read none of it and tick, I accept. 100%, yeah. So back to the marine analogy, I, I really like that. And in fact, I I didn't just start on super yachts, I trained um, on uh, container ships, worked on cruise ships and then transferred from that professional career to super yachts, which... You don't necessarily need the, the bigger vessels licenses for. But when I was uh, training as a cadet, which took about three years before you become a Marine officer, you weren't even allowed to touch the logbook. And the logbook was this, this is the um, official you know, captain's log. Mm. And if you did get to touch it, you were trying so hard with your handwriting and you were so proud of what you were putting in. So yeah, as you said, it, it does really hold that, that special um, place in the Marine industry. And then as far as compliance goes, yeah, the the paper book is, is very quickly becoming um, non-compliant. Uh, if we look in the EU recently, the GDPR regulations where everyone got their um, <laughs> privacy policy updates on the 25th of May uh, of this year, um, that actually made the paper visitor book uh, non-compliant. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the UK and, and the wider EU, um, absolutely, and we've seen big uptake uh, because of that. Mm. 
And so as you saw kind of the feedback that was coming in from the people downloading the app, mm. did you, um, you know, what, what was it like? Like kind of your idea was out there in the wild, it was working. What was the pickup like? And then you were getting that feedback that maybe the feature you built it for was less exciting. Mm. How soon did you change tack? Yeah, great question. Uh, first of all, it was never, well, certainly from the start, it was just about solving a problem and doing something cool. I didn't know about startups or exits or essentially raising capital and why people would, would invest at that stage. I mean, I was just down in the South Island playing my trade. Um, so the reward for me was actually people using it. And I remember, I recall quite vividly, the first paying client to get in touch with us was a, a super, I won't name it, but it's uh, Steven Spielberg's super yacht. How cool is that? You yeah. know? The first <laughs> client we had was Steven Spielberg's super yacht. So I was like, all right, I can die now. I'm happy. I don't care whether it makes money or not. Well, I do. But <laughs> And, and, and had, yeah. had there up to that point, yeah. like, you know, did your wife or your friends, um, seeing that you didn't have yeah. uh, deep experience in app development yeah. and you were spending real time and real money developing this, did anyone kind of question your... Um, you, you know, your credentials or whether you should be doing it or if you were um, a bit bananas? Sanity, yeah. Yes, yes, is, is the short answer. Um, but I, I saw it as one one skill which is transferable, I think, from working at sea and also from pilots, which is actually risk management. Mm-hmm. And I had a finite pool of money that I was happy to throw in there and, and risk and back myself to do it. So in essence, I know it's easy to say, but I don't really care what, yeah. Other people think, you know, whether it was, oh, well, I wouldn't say my wife because I do, but, or not, not on here. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just had a bit of confidence that, that I'll do it. And, hey, if it didn't work out, cool. Um, I, I had that, that finite pull of, of money. But in saying that, I, I used it all on the development. And when it came to marketing, oh, whoops, it's now zero. And, and I was quite militant uh, on the spend. So I had to be quite smart about marketing, getting in front of the right people. And yeah, how, how did yeah. you get that? How, how did it feel when that first customer was Steven Spielberg's yeah, super yacht? Yeah. You're like, well, I guess I guess that was a good thing to do then. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. And and that, well, I didn't even have a mutual connection there. Like you would say, oh, Hadley had a friend that he worked with because he was in the industry, but absolutely not. Uh, early on, I did get uh, some press and trade publications on super yacht. So um, that. That helped that there, and on the marketing side, I look. I was I was starting from a very low base. Most people, uh, you hear of tech founders that get into business, or you get hear of business orientated founders that get into tech. I was neither getting into both, which was <laughs> um, so. I was starting from a low base with a, a lot of learning. So I was constantly uh, looking up things on, on online and, and upskilling. And one of the one of the things that I uh, which caught my eye quite early because it's free was kind of growth hacking mm-hmm. and uh, so even our first website I, I built it in a, in a day or two using landing pages split testing landing pages and actually cobbled them together so I made a completely a website the way it's not supposed to be meant but it was it was all something that could be iterated and tested upon and changed very quickly uh, so, so that was great uh, as far as the messaging and the benefits and the features that I could get across and then even registered the domain, uh, you know, visitablecap.com, which actually we still own to that day, and then got a lot of great SEO through that because people are searching for a visitable app and it, it filters through to swiped on. Uh, so there was just, you know, a bit of street smarts about, uh, you know, that, that first period of growth. And 
the one thing which I, which actually was the, the main contributor was the App Store itself. You have millions of people searching for millions of different things every day and the App Store. And having App Store optimization as well, you can select certain keywords, you can put keywords in the title and they have different weighting. Uh, so on all of the specific terms for our business, we were generally batting number one or two. And then after some time, some competitors started to come in and uh, you know play in that field as well. <clears throat> One of the cool things about tech is that there is that sharing of knowledge, hey? Mm. And like when you say you read the, the growth hack of things, yep. there, there really are like mm. playbooks to go totally. and, and, yeah. and you ran the playbook <laughs> and um, and by, by yeah. yourself in the yeah. off hours around piloting, <laughs> yeah. you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of vessels yeah. into the, the harbour, yeah. you, you, you kind of iterated, learnt and problem solved your way up to a million dollars of of rev mm, a year. Mm, I mean, mm. that's a remarkable achievement. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, <laughs> did, did you, well, did you yeah, know? Yeah. Sorry, I'll make this yeah. question. Did you know it was a remarkable <laughs> achievement? Because I can think of quite yeah. a few tech companies that yeah. are funded with yeah. a bunch of teams of yeah. people who, yeah. um, you know, call themselves uh, experts who, mm. who took mm. years to get to a million dollars of yeah. revenue. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, looking back on it, yeah, absolutely very, very proud of that. And I guess one thing, we, we had a cap raise which, which closed about December of last year and the constant feedback we had was kind of, how did you manage this and um, and how are, our metrics are pretty pretty tidy, I think as you said at the start of the show. And we just didn't know how well we were doing. We didn't benchmark against other companies. Look, I was still in Timaru, so I didn't know um, what the uh, you know standard uh, metrics or benchmarks were and nine times out of ten we're actually batting above them for the, the SaaS industry um, even I'll take our churn for example I won't say what it is but whenever I put it in front of investors I say oh is that monthly so no, sorry that, that's actually annualized churn oh gosh okay <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's uh, just yeah it, it was a bit of uh, yeah just not knowing how well we'd done and we had to speak to people in the industry during that cap raise process to kind of reaffirm that yeah how did that go because the, the first the mm. first um uh, I saw it pop out was um when Ben mm. keeps started talking about it yeah, and yeah. um he's a you know for anyone who um, doesn't know Ben in the tech space a, a very uh, well-respected commentator who's been a part of quite a few uh, tech company mm. uh, successes here and, and internationally. And so, how did you how did you get hold of him, and, and how did that get happening? Yeah, great question. Oh, look, Ben, he's he's now our, our chairman as well, and he's been absolutely transformational for not just the business, but also f- for me. And um, yeah, we're really, really extremely lucky to have him on board. Um, and how did we get in touch with him, or how was that connection made? Um, early doors, we were very lucky as well to have a K1W1 uh, fund leading our um, our raise, and it was just a mutual connection through there. How, did you, how yeah. did you do that? Yeah, it's just like uh, you walk in, show them the metrics. Yeah, yeah, they fell we, off their chairs. Yeah, yeah, we just had a. a uh, it was kind of a, a soft intro with someone that we knew and we'd been kicking around the idea of cap raising. And we, we, look, we didn't need to do it, but you always want to just have that growth mindset and, and do things a lot quicker. So uh, that was where the um, you know the thought around the cap raise came. <clears throat> and yeah, we had an intro through and it was Robbie, Robbie and Damon who are there and they're really down to earth, uh, top blokes to, to go through. And we, we um, obviously had a conversation, showed them the numbers and... Um, I think there was an email <clears throat> through that night saying, you know, 
hey, thanks for your time. We know we could tell when we see one. Let's chat further. So it was actually uh, um, Ben Scott, who's a co-founder and head of product as well. Um, we were in the car and, okay, we weren't high-fiving because he was driving, but it was, it was something close yeah. to that. And, I, hey, look, there's an absolute roller coaster on the cap raise, and it was by no means uh, that wasn't the home run, but it was, oh, gosh, that's positive intent, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And so... Through that process, you you pulled in um, funding. It was it was oversubscribed um, to then be able to grow the team. What does the team look like now, and what are you up to? Uh, you, you yeah. know, you've recently moved to Tauranga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Um, I, as far as being in Tauranga goes, it was it was a conscious decision. Actually, I was in uh, in Timaru and and Ben. Uh, he came on board about a, a year or two later after I'd started it. And he was really transformational as well. This is sorry, this is Ben Scott. This is a few Ben's in our business. <laughs> and he was in Auckland, and I mean, there's well documented, you know, issues with housing and all of that, and, and traffic in Auckland. And we thought, well, you know, this is, seems to be going quite well. We could pick anywhere on the map we could be. Um, and not only are we an international tech company in New Zealand, let's go one further and go to the regions and and base it in Tauranga. And it, it's been brilliant. And the people that that we've had on board, we've got 14 staff there now, <clears throat> have you know been there for the right reasons. Either they've left Auckland or they just really love that outdoors lifestyle with work-life balance. Uh, so it, it's been great for us and it's allowed us, yeah, as I said, to kind of get like-minded people there. There's not a lot of conflicting egos and, yeah, it's, it's, it's worked out really well for us. And part of your team mm. is around the world as well. Correct. Oh, sorry. Uh, we've got... Uh, two in South Africa, and they take care of uh, both the sales support uh, in the overnight time zone. And and funnily enough, Maro, who's our, our sales agent there, um, he was actually the dive instructor on the last super yacht I worked on. <laughs> and I, I knew he was in South Africa, top guy, and I vividly recall telling him, hey, I've got this idea, you could, you know, put a visitor book in, a, in an iPad app, and this was years ago. He was the first person I told, quite a... Um, I got on quite well with him then. So, yeah, we've got a tour in South Africa, and we also have a role now in Boulder in Colorado. So we just uh, see that as a, a beachhead role um, in the U.S. Yeah, what are the commonalities from your past career? I mean, uh, being the skipper of a um, something worth $100 million mm. and looking after a crew and making sure everyone's delivered safely, mm. there must be some kind of commonalities between that and running a company with many of the same kind of characteristics. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've thought about those transfer, transferable skills and, and what are they in the past. And look, there, there is a lot. You could probably do a whole conversation on that. Um, I think I'd, I may have mentioned earlier, but risk management is is one of them. Um, absolutely. That's probably more so on the pilotage side because you are just adrenaline pumping two hours and then you're done and you're making calls whether this is safe or not and you've got I mean if you look at the Reno when things go wrong it's, it's, it's multi-million dollars and and on the super yachts uh, and, and also the broader maritime career you're, you're all there in one vessel often days or weeks at sea um, so you've got a lot of interpersonal relationships they often say uh, being at sea is like like being in jail, but with the risk of drowning. And <laughs> I mean, that's probably the, the, the negative side of it. But you are, it's this, it's just this real kind of pressure cooker environment. And if you, um, you know, can't manage different personalities, ethnicities or, pers- yeah, um, it's, it can be quite a difficult place. So, so that's, that's a skill that comes across. And then probably one of the main things, certainly on the cap raise side, is just dealing with, you know, high net worth individuals, um, realising that they get out of the 
bed the same as us, put on the shoes the same. Uh, there is really, you know, no difference. So that's probably another thing that's transferable. Yeah, and, and I guess having that kind of like really clear sense of mission and then mm. getting there as yeah. a team, no matter what happens in between. Totally. Having yeah. an A, B and C plan, <laughs> yeah, problem, yeah. problem solving under pressure. Because I, yeah. I know a lot of the kind of like business books and, you know, business, um, uh, y- y- you know, they're always looking to pl- places uh, like uh, sports teams yeah. or yeah. army units mm. or, you know, high pressure environment um successful teams and that's very much uh, the maritime industry as well oh absolutely uh, we uh, there, there, there are so many uh, commonalities one of them I'll, I'll pull it out from pilotage you uh, generally bringing a, you join the vessel out at sea in safe water and you, you bring it in and you need you've got I don't know say half an hour 20 minutes to actually appraise the situation figure out is this going to be a safe transit or not if the, the swell's too much the weather the helmsman's not a very good driver um, and I see, you know, that there's this constantly talked about ability to pivot. And, and we do the same. You, you, you're coming in on this, this large two, 300 metre vessel and you need to be able to, they call it take a round turn, be able to go, oh, OK, this isn't working, turn around, do it again and then and try another way and, and be able to do that. With, with confidence, so it's just yeah, a bit of that risk management, and yeah, and, and knowing your windows very well, which is another, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, there's so many metaphors and so many things mm. you draw out of sailing. You know, smooth seas don't make a good sailor. Oh. Not, not, everyone, not everyone who says those things <laughs> yeah. is actually it's one know, of my favourite quotes. Yeah, yeah. has actually yeah. lived that experience. <laughs> um, so, and, and tell me about some of those companies. So, you, you set up the the website, got the kind of um, the, the growth hacking mindset to mm. always improve mm. and uh, get the SEO working right. And mm. get the advertising and the adwords kind of um, function to get people in. When did you know? When did you know it was working and it was time to kind of go all in on it? And kind of what what kind of level of customer or or revenue did you get to before you were you were all in? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good question. It was there probably wasn't one finite moment when it all it all clicked. It was just a. The whole industry was moving. There were competitors, I guess, popping up, and it was just. I guess one thing was what I underestimated at the start was the size of the market, the number of companies that would sign up, and you know now it's not uncommon for us to have you know up to a dozen new paying companies overnight, and that is just it still blows my mind today. What a great thing to wake up to! Yeah, yeah. So I guess it was just once we started to get those numbers through the door, uh, and. Actually, to have revenues that was more than a salary was more than you know we could pay one, two, three people. Um, so yeah, it was it was a, a slow burn to that realization, and then what really affirmed it was uh, you know putting it in front of investors and you know just getting that positive feedback outside of our our little um, sphere that we were working in. And in amongst all this, at some point, mm. you found out that you had uh, an incredibly rare. Cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that sucked, um, to say the least. So it was a, a sarcoma. It's a which and sarcomas themselves are like a subset of cancer, and it's one percent of cancer. So I'm the wrong one percent. I'm not the. <laughs> the and um, yeah, and then my one was a subset of that, and it was kind of one in a million. Which okay, that's kind <laughs> of if you're going to have it, well, yeah, and. Yeah, so that was actually as we were really growing and really, really scaling quite quickly from from that perspective, and we would have had about oh gosh, four and four five staff uh, at that stage, 
and yeah, it, it did. I mean, gosh, it, it throws you massively. And not to mention, my wife was pregnant with our third child at the time. Uh, so it was just, it was just all, all go. And um, I did actually, f- I couldn't pilot it anymore because it was actually what what happened is I ended up having a lump on my hip. I was trying on some clothes one one evening, and I thought, oh gosh, check out these love handles. Uh, I'm putting on a bit of weight, and then I looked on the other hip and it wasn't there and I thought oh okay something's going on and it was probably about half the size of an avocado so it was I know I was a typical guy probably not looking well enough in the mirror and I was a bit disappointed that it got to that size but anyway went to the GP the next day and uh, they said oh it's probably a bruise and I was like yeah yeah I reckon you're right it probably is a bruise so then they tried to um, did a scan it was kind of inconclusive and she said oh I'll just try and let the blood out of the blue uh, out of the bruise which is not what you do when it's a cancerous tumour, so I've since learned. So she was trying to take the blood out, and she said, oh, okay, there's no blood, I better throw you through, through to a specialist. Um, sorry, I'm probably getting into too much detail here. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went through the whole MRI and, and staging thing, and it, it was funny, I was, uh, well, you've got to pull humour out of these situations, don't you? So it was all looking, oh, I don't know, I'd, you know, I got on Google pretty quickly, and I'm like that. I'm the real life meme, you know, had a headache, Google it, had brain cancer or whatever. I mean, okay, it wasn't brain, but um, I Googled it and, oh gosh, this could be something bad. And then I, I went for an MRI in, in Christchurch and they, I don't know if, if anyone's ever had one, they'll ask you, did you want to listen to a particular radio station? And they put the music up and I was just, you know, not in the mindset for anything in particular. And I just said, oh, look, whatever. And they said, oh, how about, you know, The Breeze or Classic Hits? And I said, oh, okay, yep, fire it on. But it probably wasn't a good idea to have kind of your, your golden oldie shows on because then there were all these, I was lying there thinking about what if, and then there were all these ads for funeral homes. And <laughs> then there was, I think, I, I, honest, no word of a lie, I think a Cancer Society um, ad came on as well. I was like, oh, gosh, here we go. Yeah, <laughs> And, yeah, sure enough, that, that is what it was. And... Um, yeah, I ended up having a radiation treatment for six weeks up in Christchurch uh, off the bat to, to shrink the tumour. And actually, it took a while to, to start, and at its worst, it went from being an avocado, and there's a few weeks in between, to um, being like half a rock melon or half a watermelon. Oh, uh, yeah. So it was crazy. And, and you kind of, you're sitting there with uh, oncologists, and you, you hear the words cancer, and then also kind of aggressive in the same sentence. Oh my goodness me, is this happening? It's kind of an out of body experience. Um, yeah, and you just kind of just just tackled each thing at a time, and yeah, it, the, the beauty of the radiation it just like literally melted away. I could wear normal size pants again, and and then the surgery was was well, it was pretty intense actually. I had a, a surgeon to take the tumor out, and then they took the surrounding skin, which meant I had to have a um, plastic surgeon to come in afterwards to tidy it all up. And that was actually a, a bum. It was a bum lift and a tummy tuck yeah, on one side. So I'm like a, a Greek Adonis on one side, or I was then. But <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So and and all all the while, look, I while I was going through radiation appointments, I was, um, you know, okay, I'll do that. And then afterwards, I got a sales call at ten. And I look, I didn't. Um, I, I look, I let go of a lot, and I did concentrate on my health very much. So, but I also found being able to work on the business during that time, um, I guess a bit grounding or you just had a little bit of normality instead mm. of just going into your shell and, you know, crying in the corner because I'm staying in Daffodil House. And 
And no matter how bad it was for me, there were some pretty terrible cases there. And I've always had a just ingrained level of optimism and positivity that, um, you know, I guess everything's going to be all right, whether it's in business or, or, or on that side of things. And, and, and also that it, it could be a hell of a lot worse. It's me. It's not my kids. You know, it's just there's always a positive light. Yeah, having yeah. having come through it successfully, mm. so you you had the operation and the mm. radiation and and recovered yeah. like really. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What what yeah. what does that yeah. kind of process tell you about what's important? Oh, yeah. It's yeah. I mean, there's um yeah. It's it's really it does make you reflect on things massively. And yeah, you look, you do live in the moment, but it would be a lie to say you constantly live in the moment. It's I kind of view it. Like, you, you know, you're driving along the road, you're looking in the rear vision mirror, and all of a sudden there's these flashing lights, and you might hear a siren like, oh, gosh, this is me. And you put two hands on the wheel, you're all of a sudden you're going the speed limit again. And, and that's kind of the, when either I'm talking about it, like, right now, or I have a follow-up scan, you kind of, it, it all comes back, and you're like, all oh, right, I need to hug my kids a bit mm. more tonight, or, um, you know, stop and smell the roses and all of these things. But... Then, you know, the car passes by and slowly you start to speed up again and you do get back into a level of normality. Um, but, yeah, every now and then I either I look in the mirror and see that cop car and, and appreciate things um, or, yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's quite... And, and, and does yeah. that play into how you set your own success? Like, you know, choosing to have Absolutely. A, a, yeah. a, a, a family-centred lifestyle Big time. in Tauranga. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, like, yeah. Um, does it play into how, you know, how you build a company where you're the CEO and have, have that kind of ability to set the culture? Yeah, undoubtedly, undoubtedly. Uh, I mean, one thing we go through in our onboarding process with each employee is, hey, don't let us get in the way of your life. If you've got... A um, at the moment it's cross country season. If you've got a cross country, go to it for any of your children. Don't miss out on, on any of those moments. Um, if you've got a, you know ballet recital, just just go and do that. Or or for people that don't have children, you know whatever um, you know is really deeply important to you. Make sure and make time for that. And as a business, that we absolutely need to allow. It. And we don't feel that driving and growing a successful high growth business is mutually exclusive to um, having a work-life balance as well. You, um, we can do both. We're, we're proof you can. Yeah. And does that even play into the places that you choose to open an office? Like 100%. Boulder, for example. <laughs> That'll be a nice place to yeah, visit yeah. and go for a hike and yeah. you know, like do yeah. some healthy things. Yeah. No, th- that's right. And we were quite purposeful in that decision. Uh, Tauranga with the population, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, 130,000 or so, um, very outdoorsy lifestyle, Boulder, similar population, similar outdoors lifestyle. Granted, there's no beach, but uh, there is a lot to do, and people, from what I understand, always take that opportunity to, to get out and enjoy things. And, and likewise, even our team in South Africa, they live at a uh, beautiful spot, which is a beachside as well, and often you know, we're sharing internal uh, chats of sunrises and sunsets, and it's just it's, it's a cool... Um, yeah, thing to be a part of. Yeah. And what's what's next? Now you've got the a l- little bit yeah. of um, uh, fuel in the tank yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah. and, and and sustained growth happening now. What, what yeah. are the plans? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a lot of it is is just growing each arm of the business. I mean, we actually, we got to a million dollars recurring revenue without a sales team. So you know we've 
we've put those wheels in place and we're building out sales teams and, and throughout regions. And also, we've really only scratched the surface on, on our marketing side and our efforts. Uh, so we're you know doubling down in all of that. And also looking to uh, future opportunities and future technology which we can integrate within the system. And while we want to stick with our, you know, our core features, values, and the simplicity of the product. Um, we just want to supplement that with some, you know, some cool things. So, yeah. And what advice, a couple of questions we always yeah. ask everyone, yeah. what, what advice do you have for um, someone thinking about making the move to, to being an entrepreneur? Maybe someone yeah. in, a, in a career, maybe someone who like um, has really great domain experience in that career, but isn't uh, in the world of mm. tech or business at the moment. Yeah. Well, having domain experience would be one up on what I where I started. So, yeah, yeah, coming yeah. coming from that, having great domain experience in your own career, but not into that yeah, tech or yeah, business world. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, look, there there are so many lessons learned, and gosh, there there is no one way to. So you don't stand in front of people and ask for a million dollars, and because I've got some idea, I mean, you can do that, but you don't have to do that. And also, you don't have to bootstrap it um, to you know, certain revenue levels like I have. So there's no one way to cut it. But um, one of the, well, definitely the most valuable lesson that I've learned is actually getting other people on board earlier and getting them on side with you. Um, so certainly advisors, trusted advisors, that people have done it before, that is huge. Um, but for me as a, as, as being a, a sole founder, and look, it was a bit of a garage project for a while. And as soon as I got uh, Ben Scott on board, he actually also worked on Super Yachts, but we didn't know each other at the time. He, there were two of us working on this and sharing a common goal, common vision, and we, although we doubled our headcount, our um, output quadrupled. It was just a that was when the business just went vumph, and so so that would be my key is you know don't try and do this alone and, and try and get get people in um, whether it's a co-founder um, at, at whichever stage, but as early as possible, um, or trusted advisors, absolutely. Yeah. And are there any words you live by or quotes that you really like or things that you come back to when things get tough? Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. It's, it's a bit of a funny one. I've got a, a friend who runs quite a successful uh, fumigation company. So how does it go from fumigation to startup? But anyway, he said, we were having a conversation a few months back and he said, you know what, Hadley, Business 101, don't be a dick. And he, he said that to me, and I thought, oh, brilliant, great. I must go and tell everyone, and that, that totally lines in with me, and um, don't be a dick is a great saying. And so I, I, I mentioned it, and we kind of started to um, you know, live this thing. And then I realized, I thought I was like the one person that every single tech company in the world has this don't be a dick as a saying. <laughs> so I thought, oh, gosh, I'm so cliche now. And I thought there was my one friend in the fumigation industry that had this amazing insight. And, and another one uh, that you actually touched on, this is for me personally, is that a smooth sea never made a skilled sailor. And it's super cheesy for, for me and, and my career. But look, it, it does uh, transfer quite nicely. And, and that's something that I remind myself of. Uh, no matter what troubles you face, whether it's a business and personal life, that does make you stronger and you learn from it and you're better because of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's magic. And yeah. I, I know what you mean about don't be a dick. When I first went to the end, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is the this is it. You, you don't need anything <laughs> no. else. This is, this is the role, you yeah. know, and it, and it is. It's, it's fantastic. Time, yeah. um, hey, thank you so much for chatting us through the journey. That's mm. Headley Ford, the CEO and founder of Swiped On. Thanks for joining us today. Cool. Thanks, Simon. It's yeah, been great. Look forward to seeing what comes next. Thank Total. you very much, too. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I just managed to pull... Um,
Sorry about that. I just managed to pull my um, <laughs> uh, earphones up. Thank you very much to Alice Webladell for producing, and thank you very much for having us along and listening. Uh, if you do have any feedback or suggestions of people to chat to, jump on Twitter. It's at Simon underscore Pound. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. Brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From The Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.